This is FBG Jen and FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margo, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margo and on the line today, I have FBG Jen. Hey guys. So it's you and I today as a duo. We interviewed Liz from Parents Magazine and we had a fantastic interview with her. So what did you think of Liz? I loved talking to Liz. I feel like we could talk to Liz a lot more (laughs) about a lot of different things. But one of my favorite things about her was that she has this great perspective as being both the editor of Parents Magazine and talking to a lot of moms and kind of seeing parenting from the expert level, like big picture bird's eye view of parenting. But then she also has twin girls. So she also has this really real life perspective of how she does it and what it means to be a mom to her and how she balances and evolves. And I thought she was just got a, gave a lot of like really good actionable things that you can do if you're a mom and just had really good perspective. I thought it was just a really interesting conversation. So I go way back with Liz. Uh, about 15 years ago, I worked with her at Fitness Magazine. And my, my favorite job when I was in New York for my whole media career, I was the PR person for YM Fitness and Child Magazines. And they were just the best editors ever, ever, ever. And, and sadly, all of those magazines are gone now. That's just the way the world is nowadays. But yeah. Liz was one of my favorite people. Liz was the kind of person I could get an email from the Today Show and like, hey, we need somebody to talk about sugar this Thursday in the 8 a.m. hour. Can Liz make it? And Liz was always fantastic. And you guys are going to hear it now. She's a great talker. She's so well-spoken, you know, and on camera, you guys have probably seen her a million on a million shows, but you know, she's beautiful. She's smart. She's so poised, but all all of that aside, she's just a really cool down to earth person and she's not going to make you feel intimidated at all. Yeah. I thought that she was totally down to earth. I love so much that she had to say when she was talking about her kids as both like when she was working and when they were babies. And then also now that they're older and she talked about social media and the pressures of social media. And it was just, it was a, it was a great conversation. Yeah. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. The only thing I have to just say as a caveat is that when I was recording this, I am the producer for the show. I had a little bit of a teensy weensy issue with the volume on Jen's side. Jen was like super animated (laughs) and into this interview and you guys will be too once you hear it. But I'm sorry. I try, I really try to adjust the levels as best I can, but Jen's enthusiasm will does kind of shine through, but please. I know. Sorry guys. But but that that only means, by the way, that just means we have to have her back on the show again because she's such a great guest. So when you guys listen to this interview, please, if you you want Liz back on the show, email us at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com and we'll definitely book her again because we absolutely need to have her on again and by the way Jen yes you, you know you can find our podcast wherever you find your podcast apps including iHeartRadio now is that correct yes correct it's pretty exciting very exciting so wherever you get your podcast be sure to subscribe to the show that way you'll never miss an episode and if you leave us a five-star review especially in iTunes we will read it on the air and Jen we got a new five-star review yay there's our enthusiasm so <laughs> so that's it so so this is the it's from the person's is called too many apps from USA and this mm-hmm. is in iTunes 
And he or she writes down, hands down, my favorite podcast. I get up at 5.30 a.m. every day, and knowing that I get to listen to these ladies be so real about health and fitness makes getting out of bed so much easier. Isn't that sweet? Oh, there's no better compliment in the world. Absolutely. And you guys, please reach out and get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter just or email the podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. You can find us at fitbottomgirl on Facebook, on Twitter, and let us know what you think of the show. And we love putting it on. It's been so much fun. And yeah, please let us know uh, what you think of Liz. I think you guys are going to really, really love her. So, Jen. Yeah. I say we get right into this interview today. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Liz Vaccarello is the editor-in-chief of the Meredith Parents Network, which includes Parents, Fit Pregnancy and Baby, Family Fun, and Parents Latina magazines. Her background also includes serving as editor-in-chief of Rachel Ray Every Day, editor-in-chief of Prevention, executive editor of Fitness, and editor-in-chief of Cleveland Magazine. In addition, she's the author of nine New York Times bestselling books, including The Flat Belly Diet. She's here today to talk about how to fit exercise and wellness when you have an incredibly busy schedule, plus tips for modern parenting. Welcome to the show, Liz. I am happy to be here. Super. So this is Margot, and on the line today, we have Jen. Hey, guys. So, Liz, you and I go way, way back to our days at Fitness Magazine, which was an incredible magazine. I miss it so much. And Aww. I know. <laughs> I do too. And you are the mom to two amazing girls. So given your busy schedule, you, you manage so many magazines. How do you fit in fitness with your lifestyle, with your busy lifestyle and all of your other obligations? You know, I hope it will make people feel a little better that I'm still working it out after <laughs> all these years. I mean, my fitness journey has changed a lot, I have to say, when I was at Fitness Magazine and before I had kids. I remember I would sometimes count the hours, and I was like, I worked out 13 hours this week. Yeah, that's on top of the walking everywhere. You know, like, fitness was my life, so I'd take two classes a day and all that. The minute I got, I, I had the girls, I had twins, it was like, oh, boy, um, you know, every everything is a choice. So when you're not with the girls, you're... If you're at the gym, you're not with the girls. Um, and if you're with the girls or sleeping, God forbid, or working your job, uh, you're not working out. So my, I decided to f just focus on eating, actually, for those first three and four years. I really watched my calorie intake, and I walked as much as I could, and I just fit trainer twice a week. So I just worked on muscle mass. So I literally worked out, under qu in quotes two hours a week for those years, and I've really focused on the eating. And then as they grew older, I started working back in running, and now I'm into um, all of these bar classes and spinning classes like flywheel and soul cycle, so now I'm kind of, I have a little more flexibility, and I can come and go a little more, and I'm trying to figure out what time of day works best for me now, because now if I'm going to a flywheel or a, a bar method or something, I have to decide, okay, do I want to take an hour and a half lunch in the city, or do I want to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning out in the suburbs and do it? So I'm really, as, as we speak, navigating that and deciding what works best for my lifestyle. So I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, and I completely and totally relate to all that kind of like the, the evolution. And for me, a lot of what it's come down to is kind of like managing my energy and understanding that it does take a lot of energy to, you know, raise a child and be there like 100% for your child and your job and your other, you know, friendships and family and relationships. So 
for me, workouts have kind of become like what's going to give me energy where pre-kids I could kind of like, you know, work out and be sore for a couple of days and that was fine because I could recover. And now mm-hmm. it's kind of like, uh, no, I have to carry my 30-pound daughter around, you know, like and get on the That's floor and point. run around. So I didn't know if you had any, you know, tips for managing, I guess, energy so that you you can, you know, be there. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love that ver- the specificity of what you're asking because that really is what it comes down to once you have a family and if you're working full time. Um, you have to make, uh, make it worth it. Is, is the phrase that I love, right? So if you're working out, not only do you have to maximize that time, but you have to make sure that what you're doing is setting you up for the best day or evening possible. So that's what I'm struggling with now. I was taking early, you know, f- 5, 5 a.m. classes, and I was getting up so early, and then and I, I went, Jen, you, you actually mentioned this in one of your fabulous articles on Fit Bottom Girls, and it was that you w- once you once you get up and, and make that commitment, not you don't have to do it every seven days a week uh, for the next two months. You c- you might be better off easing into that schedule, that early morning schedule, just trying it two days a week so that your body gets adjusted to waking up. Because I did, I burned out. I did two weeks in a row getting up at five o'clock and. So you need to make sure that not only are you not too sore to go about your day, um, but that you're also getting the sleep that you need and that you're not throwing your circadian rhythms all off 100% topsy-turvy on their heads um, by starting some big fancy routine or schedule that you maybe can't, isn't right for your body. Totally. Oh my God, sleep. The sleep Sleep. thing. (laughs) Sleep is gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like everything. <laughs> totally. Um, and I think that for, for many years, a lot of mothers, and women in particular, sort of were, I don't know, I guess the word is, they were dismissive of sleep. It almost became a badge of honor to say how exhausted you were, to say you only got four hours of sleep, or you're living on five hours, or I haven't slept a good night in 14 years, or what have you. And I'm I'm happy to say that the culture is changing a little bit now, and people are admitting to that their need for sleep and are proud of the fact that they're making time to work sleep into into their lives and to make it the core of a healthy lifestyle. Because without it, your workouts workouts aren't going to be as efficient. Your quality time with your children isn't going to be as meaningful or memorable. And your function and with at work and with your friends and with your partner uh, aren't going to be as strong. And so to be your best self in all areas of your life, you need you need that sleep. So that's that's the center of it all. And when I talk about scheduling and I might talk about early morning versus late at night, the deciding factor for many of us moms is and should be sleep. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So Liz, I um I don't know if you know this, I actually teach fitness classes as well. 
um, I started teaching spin and boot camp and stuff like that. And I have oh, awesome. it is awesome. And I have three students now that are expectant moms. And so, of course, I told them to listen to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast and episode 40 uh-huh. with Sarah <laughs> Haley, who's a fantastic uh, fitness person for women who are pregnant or pre-pregnancy. But I wanted to get your advice, you know, because they're going to be buying your magazine soon. They're going to be fans of yours very soon. But what is your best <laughs> advice for soon to be moms on handle the hand- how to handle the changes of having a baby? Uh, in terms of fitness or in terms of the whole package that is motherhood? I would say the whole package. Cut yourself some slack. Don't try for perfection in every area of your life. Let the house be a disaster. Or if you can't let the house be a disaster, let your hair grow out and don't blow dry it every day if you don't. Like, let things go. Don't feel as if you're, you have to follow every word in every parenting blog that you read, for example. You, what works for one mom might not work for you, and if cobbling together a piece of this and a part of that is the best thing for you and your family or gets you through the day or gets you through the breastfeeding, that's fine. I think one of the most welcome changes with millennial moms is that it's a culture of we're commiserating with each other. We're not finger-wagging anymore. So um, cutting yourself some slack and being just just doing what you can to get through the day and to get everything that you need to get done done is is a win. Uh, and I, when I look back on my pregnancy and post-pregnant uh, months, in particular those early those early months when I was home on maternity leave, I wish I'd have spent a little less time wiping kitchen counters and just going to sleep when the baby was sleeping, just falling asleep with Sophia or with Olivia. There were two of them. They were very rarely sleeping at the same time. So, (laughs) 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 Because the counter didn't matter at that moment. Every three hours, it didn't have to be sterilized. So I think that's my advice. Cut yourself some slack. Let the counters go. Yeah, <laughs> let, the, let the counters go. Right? Counter's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. I'm really curious as to how you have seen, I, you, just, you just touched on millennial moms, but just kind of how you've seen the parenting world and coverage on your magazine and what readers want and what they need and kind of what the mission of the magazine is. How has that how has that tone changed over, say, the last 10 years? Hmm. I think it's about being real with the reader. A mother today can get information on teething or vaccinations anywhere, you know, on digitally. Uh, it used to be that you would get, you know, a, a book, what to expect when you're expecting. You had your, your, your pediatrician and your mother, and that was it. Now these moms and dads are getting advice from everywhere, and it's overwhelming to them. 68% of new parents say that they're overloaded uh, with information. So when I look at the magazine, I really try to make sure that the voice and the tone are a lot less instructive 
um, and practical and a little more of an emotional experience, a way to tell stories for readers to see what other mothers and fathers are going through or how, what worked for them. This, this parent wants to know what the experts say, wants, and you know, Parents Magazine is standing on 90 years of partnerships with the American Academy of Pediatrics, so we've got that going for us. But it, more than ever before, they also want to know what works for other moms so that they can then cobble together a plan or a solution to whatever problem it is that works for them or that, they, that, that strikes um, the right note with their family values. So, so I think that's one of the biggest changes, and I think I hope that the magazine and, and where I've been taking it reflects that. You'll see a lot more stories about from mothers how I um, got through teething, or how I what worked for me in identifying my child's true food allergy. Those kinds of stories, in addition to the science-backed, research-backed pieces. Interesting. One um, follow-up question, because do you, do you think that almost in some ways mirrors the trend that you also see in health and wellness and fitness, where it is kind of no longer one-size-fits-all approach, it is very much like you have to figure out what works for your body, for your family, for your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you, and when you talk about, when you look at research into um, this generation, in any category imaginable, they say, they say that, that people want personalization. And when it comes to fitness and exercise and, and nutrition and weight loss, that means very specifically every human being, uh, their, their physio physiology, their temperament, uh, their means are different. And so if you are overly prescriptive with somebody, you're not going to really connect with them because these these millennials and Gen X people, they, they get that there is not one size fits all. So you very much have to be adaptive and you have to be a place where people come together, like, like the bottom girls is, where people come yeah. together and they share their ideas and you can pick and choose what you want to learn from or be inspired by. So, Liz, I'm doing a count of all the magazines that you work on, Fit Pregnancy, Parents, Fit Pregnancy and Baby, excuse me, Family Fund, Parents Lit Latinas. How do you do all this work? You're just one woman. <laughs> <laughs> what are your tips well, for getting all this work done? Because you also have yeah, the big, kids at home. Yeah, I think, <laughs> oh, my goodness, I could do a whole podcast on that. Um, because it's, uh, the bigger your jobs get, and as we all grow in our careers, like the, the, the jobs get bigger, you can't just do more and more and more. There's, you know, there's a, there's a limit to how much we can do. So my, the secret to my success and my happy day is delegating, finding, making sure that my team is filled with men and women, mostly women now at Parents Magazine, um, who are smarter than me and who want my job. And so they're ambitious and they're good at what they do. And then let them go. Let them do it. So it's about delegating and still respecting your team and about being there, you know, in for Parents Magazine, I'm very much the hands-on editor-in-chief. Like, I'm pouring over every photo, I'm rewriting every headline, you know, but I can't with all five magazines. So, um, in those other cases, I might, I'm just, I say to the, the teams there, how can I make it something easier for you? Do you have a problem? Come to me and I'll help solve it, rather than trying to put my hands in, in all the cakes. Interesting. How much, if you don't mind sharing, how much do you delegate on the kind of home front, mom front? 
early on, I gave up. Well, first of all, I'm very luck, fortunate to be able to have um, help at home. You know, so mm-hmm. I have a husband. My husband's a photographer, so when he has a shoot, he could be gone for nine days, right? But when mm-hmm. he's not shooting, he's working out of the home, so he's very much there with with the girls and with whatever babysitter we have that day. Some days there's no nobody, and other days we have somebody helping out. I, but I, so I early on decided that the practical parts of parenting, the diaper changing, the, well, not diaper changing, because when that happens, you got to do it, <laughs> but the, you know, the laundry, the house cleaning, the scheduling of doctor's appointments, that I, it was okay if I didn't do those things. It was okay if I had Steve. I put Steve in charge of those things, and it's, and that has given me great relief and empowered him uh, more than more than I ever expected hmm. uh, it to. And I think that's one of the things when you talk about mom and dad balance, um, when you look at the research and divi- division of labor in homes with two full-time parents, most parents say that the chores, the discipline, the quality time with kids are shared equally. Mom and dad are both all in, right? Mm-hmm. But when you look at scheduling, Mm-hmm. Or, you know, play dates, soccer trial, whatever it is, sick days, and sick days, who has to stay home if somebody's home from school, that falls more on the mom. So I think that, that that's one of the ways that the inequality yeah, sort of presents itself. So very early on um, in the girls' lives, I decided that I was not going to adhere to those gender roles, and I was, what I... I wanted to be there and and mother and parent, and I use those words as verbs. I wanted to mother in a way that was meaningful. So if I didn't sterilize the bottles, that was okay, but as long as I was there to read the books and rock them to sleep and breastfeed when I could and those types of things. So being willing to give up and cut yourself some slack if you, if you God willing, have the help and the means to do that is is very, very wise, I think. So I'm just curious, so did you just sit down with your husband and have a conversation, you know, like here's here's how this is going to go, or did it just kind of evolve to that place? Well, we were lucky in that it evolved, but it's interesting because when when I look at focus groups, when I talk to our readers, they think that many of them have gender, gender um, inequalities at home, and there's nothing they can do about it. Their husband's just... I don't want to look at a diaper, and there's no, nothing they can do about it. Others have husbands who are all in, but the mothers won't let go, right? right they right. they won't give up things that they've always done. In my case, because I was pregnant with twins, I had to go on bed rest. So before that, I, my husband and I were together for 17 years before we had the, the girls. I did all the grocery shopping, all the cooking, all the, we just moved into a new house. I managed the entire sale of the home and, you know, all of it. I did all that detail stuff because I was or, the quote organized one, and he was the quote art creative artist one. And you know, I let him just take out the garbage and all that. <laughs> well, bed rest immediately changed that, and I was forced to even if I I didn't want to. I was upstairs in bed crying because he was organizing the linen closet, and I was <laughs> sure that he was doing it wrong. Literally sobbing on the phone <laughs> to my mother, you know. So it, and he did the grocery shopping, and oh my goodness, girls, he liked it. Oh wow! To this day, he does all the grocery shopping. <laughs> I know, right? He made dinner, and sometimes it was awful, and sometimes it was really good, and he enjoyed cooking, and he would get on the phone with his parents and talk about recipes and. Oh my God! So he rose to the occasion. I was forced to get over it, and. 
it opened up a, a window for all of us. So take advantage of any sort of like stomach flu that you might have. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go. Let it go and see if 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 the the partner can um, see how well as they can do. People people become what you expect them to become. I I believe that, and and my husband certainly did. That's so interesting because I know there's that there's that there's a really well known article that's been going around. It's been like super viral. That's about the mental load, which is kind of like what you're talking about with like yes. the the female, like kind of we're just kind of culturized to have like the to do list running through our heads. So I think that was a lot okay. of really good advice there. Yeah. Thank you. That hum, that constant hum of worry. The mother often ca- is the one to carry that around. Yeah. But I think your point is still like being like aware of it. Okay, I have it because you can't change anything you're not aware of, mm-hmm. and then be like, okay, how can I how can I let some of this go? Because um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of moms do kind of become you're almost a control freak because you want everything. There's so much you can't control, so it's like okay, can can right and and give share some of that hum with your partner. Yeah. So if if it's up to if the partner knows that healthcare is all their domain then you can casually say, you know, there is there a de- are dentist appointments on the calendar or whatever, or hand the reminder notice to them. And, you know, maybe some hard lessons have to be learned, some mistakes, some balls have to get dropped, and, but that's, those, are, those are ways that they can learn, and then the, they start to carry that hum of yeah. worry. So it has to be so challenging these days to raise a daughter with social media. So, I mean, how do you monitor their media consumption, you being the media queen, you know, on the one hand? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, that's a great question. There are a number of ways to look at it, one of which is, you know, when they were early, when they were very, very young, it was right when Facebook was starting, and their, hus- their father is a photographer, so they're used to a camera in their face constantly. And I was used to posting constantly. I didn't have, they were babies, and, and I wasn't at Parents Magazine at the time, so, and, and I hadn't thought through the ramifications of, okay, this child does not have any say in the fact that I am now showing, um, I'm now documenting their lives to the world for all of posterity. You know, they're going to they're gonna have this, this little, this picture of them in, in, in a rain shower outside with no top on. Even though they're nine months old, it's still, you know, they haven't bought into that. And I had this aha moment when they were about five, I think, Sophia said to me, she saw me take a picture and post it and blah, 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 and she said to me, Mommy, can you do me a favor and ask me now before you, can I see the picture before you post it? That's what she said. She didn't say ask me, can I see the picture? And it was like a movie reel. Like I, my mind like flashed and I, I reeled back. My head, it was like a Rolodex was spinning in my head. And I said, oh my God, everything, all those pictures I've posted, she had no say in them. So that was a wake-up call. So now I ask, I show, but now they're 12. And so now they're starting to, they have YouTube accounts. I got to tell you, they're, they're on Instagram. They're, they're doing the Snapchat, no Facebook, um, but it's all about YouTube. Yeah. All about YouTube. And some, they have ch- one of my daughters has a very popular channel, so she's embraced it. And I am on that thing constantly reading every single comment. And I have a funny story. There was one, um, my, gr- my daughter got rainbow hair. Literally every color in the rainbow. It took us six <laughs> hours in the salon. Don't <laughs> Um, and so she went on and she was, she was doing her daily upload on her video and in the comments, um, I was on the train home from work and I saw this person, you know, scrambled egg, one, two, three, let's say the name was, Mm -hmm. you look silly, rainbow hair is silly and was being mean about her rainbow hair. 
and I immediately, you know, like reported it to YouTube, and I'm like emailing it, and I'm blocking the sender, I'm doing all the things that the parental controls say that you should do. And so then I, my husband picks me up, he said, I saw the same comment, I reported the same thing, and we get home and we told Sophia, we, we saved you from scrambled egg one, two, three. I said, Mommy, that was Sam sitting next to me in band. We, was, we were doing it as a joke. But two things there. First of all, you watch everything closely. Mm -hmm. Second of all, they have no idea what her real last name is or where she lives. Um, And she is very cognizant of the fact that she should not ever say we're going on vacation tomorrow or anything. So she just, she she completely understands that she needs to keep the reality of who she is sort of separate and secret. And there's only a few people in her school who sort of who know who she is. Uh, and then the second factor was she knew that we were watching and she knew that we were we had her back. And that gave her a great deal of confidence and peace of mind as well. Because as I think many of these kids are almost overly informed and overly scared about what's out there in social media. So the fact that she knew we were watching and reading all these comments made her feel good. What is your, this is a completely, this is, this was not on my agenda to ask you this, but I'm, I'm interested since your daughter has a YouTube channel. I did a speaking engagement um, with a bunch of middle schoolers, and a lot of them did have, like, YouTube channels, and they're like, oh, my gosh, check out my channel, follow me, give us a plug, whatever. They were, like, super into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it was it was very different because I hadn't interacted with, like, you know, 60. I, or, like, I think I spoke to a of, like, 120. Like, I hadn't interacted with that oh many ages at the time. I was like, whoa. Um, and yeah, yeah. Fascinating, but... A lot of them, you know, would be like, okay, what do you, what do you want to do? And they're all like, we want to do what you do. Like, we want to be an influencer. Like, that's what they wow. want to be. Right. I, I, do, you, do you hear that? Do you get a sense, a sense from that? It's like a career. It just kind of blows my mind because, you know, I grew up not realizing that even what I do now could, was a job opportunity or, like, it didn't exist. That's an excellent point. I hadn't thought about it in that context before, but my my one daughter, who is, she used to want to be a marine biologist and save the sea turtles, and now she wants to be a YouTuber because she sees that the people who are of a certain scale, um, she's not there, but they get products for free to talk about, and whatever their passion point is that they're YouTubing about, vlogging about, they can get ads on their channel, so she, she sees, because she's following other like YouTubers, that people make a living out of it, and one time it came up, the words came out of her mouth, well, what if I maybe don't go to college and just YouTube my way, <laughs> right, right, yeah, oh my god, you have to understand that these are moments in time that the fad that you're talking about right now might not even exist in two years, right, right. Um, and so no matter what you, no matter what you decide to be talk about it's like being a writer right being an influencer is like being a writer or an artist you have to be an educated well-rounded person which and and a college degree is a way to become that um in order to be a good artist in order to have the communication skills and the world view to influence in a you know, appropriate and inspiring way, or to write a story that has meaning. And what what education, and a liberal arts education in particular, gives you is it grows a mind that is curious, and it grows, in an, it, it sharpens skills that make you better able to persuade people or 
uh, motivate them. And if you have all that package, then you can be a writer, a rock star, an influencer, a YouTuber, whatever. But you, you can't just show up and look into a camera. <laughs> because right. that's yeah. not where that's not where the magic happens. So, so is that the speech I gave her? <laughs> yeah. Do you um do you have? I mean, because for for me, I kind of see it as it's it's a little bit of a you know a celebrity driven culture where it's like mm -hmm. okay, you know, I do want to have notoriety. I think that's where some of the social media stuff plays in. Was that you know you know it's like how many likes do you have? Like there's so many Facebook yeah. likes when all we want is love, or Instagram likes, or whatever. You know, when all we want yeah. is love. So, I mean, do you have any, any tips for how to, and this is kind of a two-part question um, now, that would be parenting in kind of the celebrity-driven social media world, and then also the world that exists with the current news cycle. Yeah. One of the things I say, I'll take the first part first, and that's about the celebrity world. One of the things I say, or conversations I try to have with my girls when try to find out who the, what YouTubers they're following. And then I try to talk to them about, what. so what do they stand for? You know, what, in the case of my one daughter, she's really into scootering, which is a version of skateboarding, right? And there's all these, you know, and what do they stand for? Are they? And she doesn't like this one scooter person because all he cares about now and all he talks about is his, are his endorsements and his and his fans, and he's lost sight of, and this, this is coming out of my then 11-year-old's mouth, he doesn't really talk about scootering. He's lost his passion for why I started listening to him in the first place, and now it's all about the business to him. Um, so I think that's an interesting way to, to look at it, and, and, and you like this musician, or you like this song, or you like this writer, or you like this reality star. I ask the girls, well, what do you like about them? So it gets them beyond just fame for fame's sake. But what do they stand for? What does a Kim Kardashian stand for versus what does um, a Taylor Swift stand for? What what things about them do you admire? So that, that puts it in perspective, and it's you'd be shocked. I'm shocked to see how much these kids get it. They get when somebody has jumped that shark and is now has lost their authenticity. They, their authenticity... Uh, radar is spot on, and they'll 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 be swift to lose respect for somebody um, who doesn't who's not doing it for the right reasons, whose passion is gone. That's awesome. So that's that's one of the things. I I also when I look at the news and when I think every day I read the paper and I'm taking it in, I'm absorbing it. I'm absorbing all this energy as an adult, and so I come to work and I think about kids and I think about my own daughters over dinner when, when we're faced mm -hmm. with it. And there's so many ways to to be aware and to deal with it. And it really, it depends, I think, on first of all, the news, and then second of all, the age of your child. So let's take the, let's take the floods. Let's take Harvey and Irma, for example. I think that's a good example of, um, it's not, you don't have to explain evil in that case. So that's, it's, it's easy to kind of talk about that. Um, and I think it's, it's about if when, when you're talking about tweens or, or children who are younger than that, it's about guiding the conversation, finding a quiet moment, finding out what they know, which requires listening mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. you talk, and then sharing your own feelings with your child. So listen, 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 and then tell that model the fact that you feel scared or you feel uneasy or you feel really sad. In the case of tweens, 
um, you have you or, or teenagers, children who experience trauma, like if, if, if they're actually going through some of these disasters, they're in a developmental stage that is going to be disrupted. And you should watch for signs like, for example, children who experience the flooding may be afraid of water or refuse to take a bath or may have a panic attack when it's shower when it's um, raining lightly outside. So parents should be aware of things that might not happen in the moment, but maybe weeks later. And then with, in the case of teens, I would suggest that parents take, tr- you know, watch. Many teens are taking the tra- experiencing the trauma and feeling a need to gain some control. So they'll be the ones who are organizing donation drives or food distribution. And it's very aspirational world very proud of them but make sure that the parent is finding that quiet time for the teen to also be supported and process the emotions because mm-hmm. they might be trying to, to hide them so that those are some examples of what I would say to people who are watching or ans- affected in an ancillary way with the floods and, and the hurricanes that's awesome thank you so you're welcome so you're a media queen you've been in the business for a very long time and you have these young daughters, and we're talking about the images that they see, and it's not just in Instagram and stuff like that, but it's also, well, it is in Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, and people presenting themselves as perfect and everything's great, and they feel that they can't measure up to that, you know, and looking at the images that they see in magazines, and, and how do you talk to your daughters about that, like about how women are presented in the media and how they feel if there's, can they compare themselves to that or not? Yeah, that that has been on my radar since the girls were infants because I was, you know, in the weight loss world and writing a book that writing a diet book in those in those early years. And I was thinking to myself, how how do I explain? I really want to send the right message about diet and healthy weight to them from the get go. So you know, I follow the 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 standard advice. Like I ne- they've never heard me say, oh my god, I feel fat or I'm on a diet because I want to fit into this dress or you know they never see that I go to the gym because I mom quote mommy wants to make muscles was those were the that was the first phrase and then it was I want to be strong because you're you're getting so big I have to be able to hug you and and pick you up still so I'm going to go to the gym those types of things um but I also when I talk about food in particular so exercise is easy because you could say look I want to be healthy and strong and confident I feel better I come back and I feel great after exercise exercising they see that but then food why am I not having you know why am I not eating that full piece of of birthday cake at you know their friend's party why did I just take a bite um and so I I really have tried to frame food and food choices as being about health and nutrition and being about trying to avoid chemicals and trying to put the right fuel in my body so a lot of language there and I remember the girls were five four four years old we were going home to Cleveland in a car and they were mommy can I have a piece of paper and they were scribbling what do you want a piece of paper for I handed it back to them and they were they needed a pen I gave them a pen and we're making a list and I said what are you making a list for we're making a diet list and I froze I like the blood drained out of my face and I thought to myself oh my gosh and I just I didn't let them see me flinch but I said why are you why are you going on a diet girls and they said, because we want to be healthy. 
Okay. <laughs> so they wanted to, and I looked at the list and said avocado because they'd heard me <laughs> these TV segments and they'd heard me like talking about these foods and making recipes. I want something. I need a more avocado recipe. So they were learning or getting the right message. So that's one <laughs> thing that I've, in particular, have tried to model for the kids and 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 for the girls. Having said that. They will not join a sports team. Like, so, so the best laid plans, right? Like, I'm not raising two fitness enthusiasts. They won't go on a run for me. They think walking is the most boring thing on earth. But they jump on the trampoline for 14 hours straight in the backyard with their friends. So they movement is part of their lives, and they don't do it exactly the way mommy does it. But that, but that's okay. Um, and and to answer your question about media, thankfully I've never had, I've never worked at you know a fashion magazine where these waifs are on the cover. I've always worked at healthy magazines that that try to show women at a healthy weight. But you know, to to you know we have been I think criticized, uh, you know, just, you know, justifiably criticized the women's media and even fitness media for showing bodies, only showing bodies that are, that are slim mm-hmm. um, and not showing what, what I call that, that middle range, that in-between range. Mm-hmm. And I'm no longer at fitness magazines, so I can't sort of put my foot on that scale in any way. But if I look at the glamours of the world and I look at Ashley you know, the, some of these models who are coming up. I look at a future model that I have. She's a mom, and she's going to be on the cover of Parents. And I love her body is strong and muscular and big, and 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 that I think sends sends the right message. Watch what we do, not what we say. And so when I am making choices about parents who are going in the magazine or real families that I show inside, I make a choice to show uh, people of all shapes, not just all colors, but all shapes and sizes. Yeah, that's awesome. I know for us at like FBG, we, um, you know, it's like if you just look at what's available on Stockart, a lot of times you're like, man, I would like to illustrate this post with, mm-hmm. you know, an image that was more representative of what we think, you know, is right is a healthy, beautiful person, but it can be really difficult to find. So I know. Yeah. And then you're always walking that way. As creators, as creative yeah. people, you're walking that you want to inspire people. Mm-hmm. So you want to give them that aspirational image. But you also want to show them that they can get there. You want to show them bodies that look like theirs. So it's not about perfection. It's about health. It's about this, this, middle, yeah. this middle world. And I, I think a few, ma- a few media out there have made, from a visual standpoint, great strides. Yeah. Glamour being one of them. Yeah, it's getting much better. I think I will probably, if this is okay with you, Margaret, I'll ask the one more question and then if you want to do our final final question is that cool no that's cool go for it okay awesome so um i would love to know your the best piece of parenting or motherhood advice that you have received and then also the best one that you like to give i know <laughs> one of the best pieces of advice is it's, it's sort of not politically correct in that you know i have the means to do this, but I was ho- I was home on maternity leave, trying. I didn't have my mother come and help me because I thought I could do it myself. I was wiping every one of those counters, right? And I had two babies who were, you know, not sleep- sleeping through the night. And I had a boss at the time who said to me, Liz, throw money at it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, and it was such a relief. She's like, 
get yourself a night nurse one one night a week for four weeks. You know, just if you have to go into your four hundred one k just to give yourself one good night's sleep once a week, think of that as being a worthwhile gift to yourself. And she was so right, and I did that. So I kind of threw money at it, but I, you can't say that to somebody who's barely scraping by. So right. Yeah, but I mean, you can say, hey, do whatever you can to get support, you know what I yeah. mean, to ask, yeah. to, to go ahead and ask for help, and, because I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, I think a lot of women, people have yep. a different time just being like, hey, I need help, help me. Yeah, let, I, I guess the, another way to say that is let that shell of perfection show its crack, yeah. and admit that, yes, you would love your neighbor to clean your house for you. Yeah. Or you will accept your mother-in-law's invitation to be your night nurse for the evening <laughs> so that you can go to sleep at 7 p.m. <laughs> and not wake up until 7 a.m. So um, are we ready for the yeah. last question? Oh, sorry. No, that's good. Go, 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 go. Okay. Yep. All right, Liz, this is the last question for you, and it's very, very important. Are you ready? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm a little scared, but I'm ready. <laughs> it's a good one. Don't worry. <laughs> So what was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? <gasps> That's a great question. <laughs> it's just oh so much colors. <laughs> oh, that is such a great question. I'm going to open up my iPod. I'm going to tell you what the real last, Go for last it. song was. I, I didn't put at that music on. I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I was, I was here, here at work, so it's been, it's been a couple hours. Oh, I'm having a pink moment. So it was a pink song. That's <laughs> awesome. I, I know. Um, so what? Oh, so great. what? My pink. That's a great song. I love pink. She's fantastic. I, and I love her. And I'm like counting the seconds until the new album is out because she is just gold. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I play her in my classes all the time. She's amazing. And that yeah. speech that she gave at one of the was at like one MTV? of the shows. It was MTV. Oh my gosh! To her oh. daughter, it was it's yeah, perfect. Everything, it's yeah. everything. I know she's great. Yep, yep. She's got the right message, and she's got. I'm a rocker, so she's got that that hard edged rock and roll. Like you can do anything. That's kind of like my bad music is anything rock. Yeah, same here. So. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was enlightening and incredible. I mean, we, I, Jen, I have to have her back on one day. Yeah, we can talk about a lot of things. Yeah. Awesome. I'm here. You guys are so great. Good luck with everything. I love Fit Bottom Girls, and I love what you both do. Awesome. Thank you for everything you do, and thanks for, yeah, bringing it. I appreciate it. Like, I, like, literally took, like, so many notes. Like, so many. Aw, you guys are cute. Thank you. I'm here whenever you need anything, quote, or anything big or small. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. Okay. Okay. Bye. Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.